because you know the routine. You know the routine. Definitely got Wale, Meek Mill, Rick Ross stuck in the head today. As we try to get back on a routine with Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon LaChance. Thank you for joining us. As always, much appreciated. Love the support. Love having you listen. And we got even more of a routine as Illinois high school sports are back. Had a little bit of a break after cross country and golf, COVID-19, we weren't playing anything. And then all of a sudden, bam, it's like, all right, we're gonna practice for a couple weeks and we have sports and we're here. Basketball's being played. We got bowlers bowling. We got things moving. Edge of URC podcast has to talk about this stuff, right? That's what we do. So, as Wale will tell you, get back in a routine. Stick to the routine. That's what we're going to do. This is episode 156 with our buddy, friend of the podcast, Ski Hartman. Back for his second time. He is sales manager, marketing manager, does everything at Shimmer Mendota Ford. He's back to talk about a little bit of everything, including NFL, NCAA, college, national championship. We talked in January, beginning of January. We predicted winners. We we decided who we thought would win the Super Bowl. So we're going to kind of go back in time to see if we knew what we were talking about. So that should be pretty cool. Plus, we talk about Ski Hartman's wrestling career with Princeton and his daughter, Shaylin Hartman, who is now a sophomore in college. So we talk about everything. He's a great guy, great guest. Always love talking to him. And you can hear him and all the other episodes of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, the previous 155. Man, been kind of slow the beginning of 2021. Lots of things going on in life that has, you know, kind of put a jigsaw into the plans here but already 156 episodes in and you can hear them all on spotify apple music itunes and of course our website www.rss.com backslash podcast with an s backslash edge of your seat podcast catch us on social media facebook edge of your seat podcast Twitter, Edge of Your CP, and don't forget, you can always shoot us an email about anything, whether it's whether it's you want to be on the show, you know a guest that would be awesome to have on, want to advertise with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, don't like something I said, you do like something I said, anything that you want to discuss, shoot us an email, edgeofyourseatpodcast at gmail.com. But it's only right we start right there, talking about high school sports. Got a lot of stuff I want to discuss, a lot of teams to bring up, awesome performances, lots to do. And since it's the first one in a while, we got to make it special, right? So let's have it brought to you by Mendota Shimmer Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. So to start the season, the AP basketball polls came out February 16th. Should have the second rankings coming out soon. I searched, did not see them yet. Should be here soon, 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 so we can update these. But for the boys, 3A saw Ottawa receive two votes. So not in the top 10, but they did receive a couple votes. 
In 2A, Fieldcrest received 15 votes. They were right there on the cusp of breaking into the top 10. Newman received four votes, and Princeton had received one vote. In 1A, Indian Creek was second. Not votes, but on the polls. So they're in the second place on the 1A rankings. Fifth on the rankings was Kiwani Weathersfield. And then sixth, Roanoke Benson. So lots of awesome 1A boys basketball in the area. You know we're going to be checking that out, keeping everybody updated, and you know there's going to be guests, right? Girls ball, 3A. Geneseo received one vote in 2A. Fieldcrest was 10th, not votes, but on the rankings. And in 1A, Amboy ranking supreme. I'm thinking that this could be the year that Amboy pushes through everything and just shows that they're the best team in all the land. It's early though, there's gonna be mishaps. I'm gonna fast forward a little bit. They did pick up their first loss on Tuesday. That's right, today is Tuesday, February 23rd. They did pick up their first L, but one L in a long season. Okay, it's not gonna be that long because of COVID-19. Our buddy that will not leave, it's not even a buddy. It's the most annoying, peskiest fly it's like buzzing around your head and you're trying to swat it. You're trying to kill it, trying to get rid of it any way possible, but it won't go away. It's still here. COVID-19 not leaving us alone at all. But Amboy, great team. Know they're going to show it. They're going to crush it this year. Whew. I'm excited about Amboy. They got a lot of talented girls. They have two girls on the team that have scored over 1,000 points in their career for Amboy. Abby Payne, who is a senior, broke the 1,000-point barrier last year. And then this year, Mallory Powers just did it on Tuesday in the loss. And we'll talk about that game when we get to the games, which we're going to do right now. But they got two. They got two 1,000-point scores on the same squad. That's amazing. So that's just a little you know, highlight of what they're going to be able to do. So further breaking into the games... We're gonna start with Friday. Go Friday, Saturday, obviously nothing on Sunday, Monday, and then what happened tonight on Tuesday. So Friday, let's start with the Mendota girls. They dropped a game to Winnebago, big Northern Conference matchup. Remember, Mendota is going to be a member of the Three River Conference come next season. But for now, still in the big Northern Conference, facing tough teams night in, night out. It's not going to drop once Three Rivers comes. Not at all. I love sports around here. Every conference is difficult. There's not a lot of easy ones. Even if not every team is a dynamic powerhouse in certain sports, there's certain sports that a school is really good at. It's awesome. Illinois sports are fun to watch, especially Northern Illinois, Central Illinois, even in Southern Illinois. When I was down at SIU, covering high school stuff, just great atmosphere absolutely everywhere. But Mendota lost to Winnebago on Friday. Daisy Arteaga had 11 points. Jalen Fitzgerald flirting with the double-double, eight points, eight rebounds, also had three assists and two steals. Jenna O'Donnell, from the point guard position, scooped up five rebounds. Follow up with Mendota on Monday, they dropped a game to Dixon. Dixon won 47-27. Daisy Arteaga, again, leading Mendota with 12 points. All of them threes. She had four threes for 12 points.
Dixon also a BNC Big Northern Conference foe picking up the W. Also on Friday, the Princeton boys, the Tigers, fell to Rock Island 73-55. Tegan Davis led the Tigers with 23 points. Jamie Reinhardt chipped in 10. While we're talking about Princeton, shout out to Grant Foes, big man on the front line for the Princeton Tiger football squad. He's going to Indiana Wesleyan University to continue his athletics and, of course, his academics. So big shout-out to Grant Foes. Happy for you, man. Very, very happy. On Friday, Putnam County boys picked up a big Tri-County Conference victory with a 74-23 win over Low Point Washburn. Kiwani Weathersfield, the boys who we were talking about being ranked they picked up their first loss on Friday, 71-66 to United Township. So they were 7-1, 4-1 in conference. And then Saturday bounced back with a 66-41 victory over Sherrard. So now they're 8-1 against Sherrard. Brad Kelly, 22 points, 11 rebounds for a nice double-dub. And Colton Quagliano, 16 points, 4 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals, Doing a little bit of everything. The LaSalle Peru Cavaliers knocked off Kalen on Friday. 68-61 in overtime. Drake Weber, 25 points. Jack Scary, 12. Michael Jareb, 12. And Weber put himself one point away from reaching the 1,000-point barrier. To also join Abby Payne and Mallory Powers, the Amboy superstar duo so there's a thousand point scores all over this area it's a beautiful thing beautiful Weber's like hey I got a game on Monday maybe I can make this milestone happen right then and that's exactly what he did scored a game high 26 points to become the 18th player in LP history to score at least a thousand points that's amazing big props to Drake you know he's a great athlete great kid and he deserves it Awesome to see him set that milestone. On Friday, Ottawa dropped their first game of the season in an Interstate 8 conference matchup against Morris. Morris picking up the dub, 55-46. For Ottawa, Anthony Cooper, 27 points, filling it up. He did it again on Monday as Ottawa got back on the winning track, 45-42. Anthony Cooper with 26. So in two games... 53 points for Anthony Cooper. He knows how to put the ball in the bucket, that is for sure. Ottawa is now 7-1 and 5-1 in Interstate 8 matchups. Ottawa, the Lady Pirates, defeated Princeton 37-18 in a non-conference matchup on Friday. And then on Monday, they dropped an Interstate 8 conference matchup to Caneland. So now Ottawa Lady Pirates are 4-3. Sycamore picked up a big victory on Friday, 52-43 over Sandwich. This past weekend was also the girls' Little Ten Conference Tournament. On Friday, Samanak knocked off Indian Creek, 51-48. Then Saturday was the placing games. Third place, Indian Creek defeated Hinkley Big Rock to take the third place title. And Newark knocked off Salmonock 52-34. 
to win their third straight Little Ten Conference title. Newark girls are tough, man. They're tough. They've been a good team for quite a while, especially in the Little Ten. Let's mix up some bowling talk in here. LP is going off. The boys and the girls have one loss each. The boys are 6-1. and one. The girls are 5-1. and one. And both are undefeated in Interstate 8 play. That's awesome. Shout out to the Cavaliers and the Lady Cavaliers. Back to girls basketball Friday, Sycamore 45, Sandwich 23. And then Monday, Sycamore follows it up with another victory. A big victory. They're just dubbing everybody. Sycamore knocked off Plano 61-41. Back to boys action. Kiwani defeated Erie Prophetstown 53-39 on Friday. Kiwani led 33-7 at halftime. That's impressive. Very impressive. And Rochelle knocked off the Plano boys 90-56 in an Interstate 8 game. Records being broke. Another record almost being broke. In this 90-point performance from Rochelle, the Hubs knocked down 18 threes to set a school record and then also had 29 assists for second all-time with the record being 30. One assist shy of tying a record, two shy of beating it. Man, Rochelle put on a performance against Plano, that's for sure. Huge, 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 huge shout out to Matt Winkler, coach of the Knights of Fieldcrest, picked up his 600th win on Saturday with a 69-36 final against Tremont. He is a great coach, fantastic dude to talk sports with. He is a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and you know we're going to have him back on to talk about the 600th win. Big shout out to him. Awesome feat. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Also on Saturday, the Fieldcrest girls basketball team dropped their first game of the season, 58-50 loss to Tremont, who is unbeaten. So, tough loss, but to an unbeaten team, hey, it's early, it's early. We got many games left to play. On Monday, they bounced back, though, with a 59-33 victory over Flanagan, Cornell, Woodland. If you are a Fieldcrest fan or an alum, you have a lot to be proud of right now because the boys and girls basketball teams are playing phenomenally. No doubt about that. More girls basketball on Saturday. The Lady Panthers of Putnam County defeated Dwight 57-35, who are now members of the Tri-County Conference. This is their first year in the conference. Caitlin Shioni, 9.7 rebounds, 3 assists for Putnam County. But Sophie Harris... Double dub and doing a little bit of everything else. 24 points, 12 rebounds, 5 steals, 3 blocks. Very, very, very impressive. And then on Monday, Putnam County fell to Roanoke Benson, 41-33. Going back to Saturday, in boys action, Marquette knocked off Putnam County, 55-25. And Newark knocked off Serena, 51-30. Monday started with some girls basketball action as Streeter knocked off Mantino, 58-29. Seen a lot of 20-point, 19, 18-point victories. One-sided competition right here. But, again, again, that time, COVID-19, not having practices, and then you get like a week of practices, and just trying to get back in the flow. So we might see this for a little bit, as everybody is trying to get back in the flow and understanding how the game of basketball works again. 
although we love it, although we play it a lot, when you're not around that team and you're not playing every day, not gelling with them, it's kind of hard to get back in a flow. Back to the bowling alley on Monday, Oregon. 3,517 knocked off Sterling, 2,815 for Sterling. Olivia Zanani, 650 series with a 260 high game. Girls basketball, Seneca knocked off Marquette, 59-39. And in boys ball, Byron, 59, Stillman Valley, 48. Byron picking up their sixth straight victory. Got a little streak going. Hopefully they can keep it going. Sticking with boys basketball for Monday, Samanak knocked off Leland 70 to 15. That's definitely lopsided. Girls ball, Sandwich picked up a 14 point victory over LaSalle Peru 49 to 35. The Lady Cavaliers were led by Brooklyn Fisic who had nine points. And Morris held on against Rochelle 28 26 in Lady Ball on Monday. Tonight's action saw a little bit of everything as well. Princeton 64, Hall 35 in a Three Rivers East game. Putnam County 42, Woodland 32 in a Tri-County matchup. Indian Creek lost their first game of the season Tuesday against Rockford Lutheran who is also state ranked and staying undefeated. They're 90-0 as they won 97-78 against Indian Creek. That is a high-scoring boys basketball game in high school. 97-78, Rockford Luther now 9-0, Indian Creek now 6-1. This is Indian Creek's first regular season loss since February 17th of 2019. Two years ago. Two years ago. Crazy, amazing run. And now you just got to get back on the horse and keep winning. Michael Lampson for Indian Creek had 20 points. Drew Gaston, 17. Davis Stryker, 15. Cole Olson, 13. And Cam Russell, 10. So five double-figure scorers, even in a loss. Still putting up numbers, still doing their thing. I'm sure they'll get back to their winning ways real quick, like the next game. Also in boys ball on Tuesday, Marquette knocked off Henry Sinanchuan, 64-39. Matt Winkler picks up 601, his 601st win. The very next game, Fieldcrest knocking off Flanagan, 81-58. In that Heart of Illinois Conference game, Jackson Kusick mckay 28 points. Corey Land, 13. The Knights had 8 players who were on the scoring column. Fantastic. Getting everybody involved. The Streeter boys knocked off Mantino 63-60. Girls ball. Already mentioned Amboy and their fantastic play. However, losing their first game of the season on Tuesday 51-49 to Eastland. But Mallory Powers did reach the 1,000 point barrier to join teammate Abby Payne. I know I've said those names like three times. Fantastic players. It's their senior year. Doing it big. They got to be celebrated. Congratulations to Mallory Powers. It's one loss. No big deal. Keep them moving. Keep them moving. Especially on Friday, Amboy defeated Millersville 83-34. So, they can turn it up. 
They can turn it on. They'll get the victories. And then after high school, there's a thing called college. LaSalle, Peru, representatives all over the college world. I mean, there's representatives from pretty much every high school in this area doing their thing in college. But LP right now is definitely shining. On Friday, Ashley Heggie, LaSalle, Peru graduate, finished third in the mile with a time of 5 minutes, 12.73 seconds for Illinois State University. Doing it up. She can run. She can run fast. And so can Redbird teammate, former Lady Cavalier teammate, Rachel Hickey, who has also been doing her thing. And not only as an athlete, but as a student and a journalist. She's doing big things for the Vedette, the paper at ISU. And if you follow her Twitter, she talks about it all the time. She loves the business. She loves knowing things. She loves to write. She loves to be part of everything. And it's awesome to see. Very, very awesome to see. Also a LaSalle, Peru graduate and a friend of Edge of Your Seat podcast, as Ashley Heggie and Rachel Hickey are as well. Nate Stubler winning the Hoosier Classic for St. Ambrose, who finished fifth as a team. So Nate still doing awesome things on the bowling alley. Former state champion his senior year with the Cavaliers. So big props, shout out to Ashley, Rachel, Nate, doing their thing, doing it well. That was quite the high school roundup. It does feel great to say that. It feels great to be talking about high school athletics and all the amazing things that these kids can do at any stage of any sport. And you know we're gonna keep doing it every day. Games keep being played, we're gonna keep talking about it. And there's many factors that Edge of Your Seat Podcast is thankful and happy to be able to talk about these things, including Shimmer Mendota Ford, the segment of our high school breakdown, talking about all that awesomeness, was from Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. After a bad 2020, in every sense of the term, we already talked about that pesky, it's not even a fly, it's like a pterodactyl known as COVID-19. But Mendota Shimmer Ford wants to help make 2021 amazing with style, comfort, and great deals. Stop by and see the 2021 Ford Bronco Sport or the 2021 F-150. The crazy awesome new vehicles are both in stock. These are just a few of the options at Shimmer Mendota Ford as it has a huge selection of new and used vehicles on the lot and even more on the website www.mendotaford.com. Whether you shop online or at Shimmer Mendota Ford, located just south of Mendota on Highway 251, manager Ski Hartman, aka the guest on this very episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and his associates, Jason Hintz and Doug Safranik, will use their expertise and understanding of the vehicle you're looking for to help you roll through 2021 just the way you want. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries at Shimmer Mendota Ford. Zach Levine. That is how we're going to start this next segment, talking about the NBA All-Star Game. Zach Levine finally getting his first nod as an NBA All-Star. The dude is awesome. 
I have talked smack about Levine being kind of like a Vince Carter dude. Awesome dunks. He's a slam dunk champion, just like Vince Carter. Vince Carter, arguably the best dunker of all time. I would argue for that. Zach Levine has thrown down some awesome dunks, even in the dunk contest. Can put up points. He can score 30, 40, whenever he wants to. But I've made arguments that he may not be a great number one guy. Like, if you want to win a lot of games, you want to be a year-in, year-out playoff team or push for an NBA championship, don't know if Zach Levine is that dude. But this year, he has stepped it up. He is making those shots that you want your star, your main guy to make. He is making those extra passes. He is trying to play better defense. He is making that effort, that push, to be one of those guys. So... My opinion has changed. I really like Zach Levine. Knew he should have been an all-star, and he is. I'm really, really thankful for that. Now we can watch a Chicago Bull in the coolest exhibition game in pro sports. I love, I love, I love the NBA all-star game. Baseball all-star game is cool. The Pro Bowl and NFL I don't even really watch. It's not really a football game. But the NBA all-star game... It's just a showcase of what the NBA is, and that's a player league. So you're watching some of the most dynamic, most fantastic athletes in the world doing what they do best. That's why I love the NBA All-Star Game. And they go at it. Yeah, there's no defense. They don't go at it that way. But they're all trying to score a million points. They all want to put up a 50 bomb. They all want to be that MVP of the All-Star Game. Even though they say, uh, it might not really matter, or well, whatever, you know, I was playing with some of the greatest in the world. They want to shine with the greatest in the world. They want to prove that there's a reason they're in this conversation. There's a reason why they're in this game, whether they were voted by fans or they were named as a reserve. They want to prove that, hey, I am one of the best of the best, or I am the best of the best. That's why they do what they do at these All-Star Games and why it's fantastic to watch. That's why it's awesome to see Zach Levine in this group being recognized as one of the best players in the NBA this season. And he's got the stats to prove it. He's averaging 35.6 minutes a game. And in those minutes, 28.6 points shooting way better than his career averages in field goal percentage and three-point shooting percentage. This year, 51.8 from the field. His career is 45.4 from the three, 43.4 this year. His career, 38.3. So spikes in his averages. 5.4 rebounds a game. His career average, 3.8. Assists, 5.1 to his career average of 3.7. 1.2 steals is better than his 1% for his career. Blocks, 0.4, better than his 0.3. I did not mention this when I was saying it before. Points-wise, his 28.6, better than his 18.5 career average. He's having a breakout year. We already know he was a stud. It's fantastic, fantastic to see him get recognized with the all-star bid. So he will be joining on the East squad, the starters, Kevin Durant, making his 11th appearance in an All-Star game. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis Antetokounmpo. I love saying his name like that. 
Sorry if you don't like how I butcher it and then try to have fun with it. For the Milwaukee Bucks, the reigning two-time MVP, Giannis, even though he gets a lot of hate for not being able to shoot, still a stud. Bradley Beal making his first start, which is well-deserved. Leads the NBA with 32.9 points. That's awesome. Especially on a squad with Russell Westbrook. We all know how he plays. So you're leading the league in scoring with Russell Westbrook on your team in Washington with the Washington Wizards. Hmm. That means he's a stud. That's what that means. Joel Embiid, who probably at this point right now would get a lot of MVP nods. He's been playing awesome, unfortunately, on Friday at his career high of 50 points. Also had 17 rebounds against my beloved Chicago Bulls. But Embiid is a stud. I mean, he's a monster. He can do whatever you want to. He's a big guy that can battle in the paint. He can shoot. He can play defense. He can do everything. Definitely deserves to be an all-star starter. The fifth guy rounding out the all-star starting squad for the East is Kyrie Irving. Love him as a basketball player, as a dude. I don't know what happened to him. Must have been dropped as a baby. But the guy can play ball. He can ball out with the best of them. The reserves for the East squad. Jalen Brown, representing the Boston Celtics. James Harden, now a Brooklyn Net. This seems crazy to see him as a bench warmer. He's not going to warm the bench at all. But as a reserve for the East. But I'm glad Bradley Beal got the nod over him. Kyrie Irving probably deserves the nod over James Harden. It's just crazy. I, I can't picture him as a bench player. Before the All-Star squad. Crazy. Zach Levine, already mentioned, talked about him a lot. The dude, his first time. Julius Randle, the dude is a monster. Averaging 23.3 points, grabbing 10.9 rebounds, 5.5 assists. He can do everything. I love watching him play. I was a fan of him when he was drafted by the Lakers. Thought he was going to become a pretty solid player. I actually think he has become a better player than I thought he was going to be. So big shout out to Randall making his first NBA nod. Last three players on the East Reserve list. Ben Simmons from Philadelphia 76ers. Jason Tatum from Boston Celtics. And Nikola Vucevic, who I know I just said his name wrong. I've heard it a bunch of times. And even though I've heard his name a lot, just one I can't get over. I'll try. I'll keep trying. I mean, I never give up. I'll keep trying. But he is the center for the Orlando Magic. I can't believe he's been there as long as he has. He's been there since 2012. Sticking it out with not a great team. Trying to do his thing. So, big props to him. Let's get to the West. LeBron James, the captain, making his 17th All-Star game. That's a lot. That's a lot. But we know LeBron. That's who he is. He's an all-star caliber player as long as he's in the NBA. As long as he is suiting up, he's going to be in that all-star game. Stephen Curry, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, and Kawhi Leonard rounding out this starting squad. I mean, that's legit. That is a very, very legit squad. Not that the East isn't. But Luka is my favorite player in the league right now. Stephen Curry, his resume speaks for itself. LeBron James is 
in the GOAT conversation with Michael Jordan. Like, that says something, right? The Joker, Jokic, is probably the most well-rounded center that we've seen since, like, Hakeem Olajuwon. Kawhi Leonard came out of nowhere. He was on a Spurs team with Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, and he becomes one of the best top five players in the league. Does it all defensively, can shoot the three. His mid-range game is almost untouchable. That is a legit, <laughs> legit West starting five. And then you get to the bench. And all of them have either been on the starting squad for the West or the East, depending on where they're coming from, or are going to be. Anthony Davis, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul making his 11th All-Star game, and Zion Williamson making his first of probably about 25, barring any injuries. Let's face it, Zion could be the next LeBron. I don't mean to laugh there. I mean, he could be. Lose a little bit of weight, improve his shot. He's got talent. This West squad is pretty amazing. I respect the East squad. But, man, this West team, on paper, if this is a normal game, you're going to war on the hardwood court. I'm going this West squad all day. Just dynamic. The guards are bigger, more experienced. You throw in Chris Paul, who is playing amazing ball this far into his career the last couple years. In 19 assists a couple games ago. 19. Still getting the job done. Gotta talk snubs, though. few players that should have made the team. See if we can figure out where they go. For the East, Van Ebedio for the Miami Heat. He's quickly becoming one of my favorite players. Plays with crazy energy, can score the ball, can stop anybody. I love Bam. Bam, Bam, Bam is amazing. Love the dude's game. Love the dude's game. I would actually take out the name I can't say. Maybe it's because I can't say it. But Nikola Vucic and put Bam in. That's what I would have done. That's how I would have made that snub not a snub. Fred Van Fleet, Rockford native, is torching it for Toronto Raptors. Had a 54-point game not too long ago. I would have tried to find somewhere to put him on here. I know Ben Simmons is having a good year, but if I had to take somebody off, it's probably going to be Ben Simmons or maybe even Jalen Brown. Because you can move Ben Simmons anywhere. You, you really can. And on the reserve list for the East, you really don't have a... Typical point guard. James Harden, yeah, he's a point guard. Ben Simmons, yeah, he's a point guard. But James Harden is also a shooting guard or a small forward. Ben Simmons can play anywhere from the one to the four. I would have threw Fred Van Fleet on here somewhere just to have a more kind of Chris Paul-ish feel. I'm not saying Fred Van Fleet is Chris Paul. I'm not saying that at all. But more of a traditional point guard who can score because that's what they are. They can get the ball to people. And they can score, like drop buckets everywhere. Fred Van Fleet is a lot of fun to watch as well. I would have loved to see him on the squad. For the West, the biggest snub of them all, Devin Booker. How is he not on this team? It's because you don't know where to put him. 
when I went over the list, everybody that's on here deserves to be an all-star. Anthony Davis, Paul George, Rudy Gobert, Damian Lillard, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Zion Williamson. Every single one of them deserve to be on here. If there was one that you might put Devin Booker on here instead of maybe Donovan Mitchell, but he's the best player on the best team in the NBA right now in the Utah Jazz. They're crushing it. You can't take him off for Devin Booker. Sorry. Chris Paul, you're not going to take him off for Devin Booker. Paul George, you're not taking him off for Devin Booker. Paul George is playing fantastic basketball right now. Fantastic. And then the other snub that I would like to see on, but again, with the West lineup, there really isn't a room for him. That's De'Aaron Fox from Sacramento Kings. He is playing great basketball. Lots of fun to watch. Dynamic, energetic, leads a bad team with honor and valor. He looks like he wants to be there, which that's hard to do in a bad situation as a fantastic basketball player. But I just don't see room for him. Obviously, neither did the coaching staff. But the NBA All-Star Game, March 7th in Atlanta, is going to be a lot of fun. And instead of a full weekend, it's just a day. So if they do the challenges and three-point contests and dunk and all that other stuff, all the same day. Which is cool. I mean, we'll make it a one-day fantastic spectacular and we'll move on. Because everything is being changed, adapting to new ways of life because of COVID-19. One thing that does not change, even if there's something crazy called COVID-19, is that we need to stay in shape, staying physically fit. And we know it's not easy. It's actually pretty difficult. There's fattening foods. There's lazy activities. We could all just sit and watch TV or play video games all day and become blimps. Or we can still do those things, but proportionately while still working out and still being physically fit. And there's a place that can do that. LP CrossFit. LP CrossFit located at the Peru Mall Cross from Secret Nails offers a weekly schedule of classes for any level of fitness. It's not one time, not one day a week. There are many options and classes only last one hour. Support group. LP CrossFit is a diverse community focused on fun and hard work. All members know each other's names and support one another during workouts. Motivation. The trainers at LP CrossFit help you reach your goals and get into the best shape of your life with workouts of numerous movements, including bodyweight, gymnastic, and barbell. Everyone is guided, pushed at a productive and comfortable level. If you're an experienced athlete or getting your first taste of physical fitness, everyone is welcome and viewed as equals. You would go at your own pace. Want to go hard? You're welcome with a hello, how are you? Go get at it. Want a more relaxed approach? It's the same. Hello, how are you? Go get at it. Injuries and mobility restrictions are a major priority at LP CrossFit as all small group classes are coach-led and movements are infinitely scalable for all members. LP CrossFit opens all doors for everyone. Check out LP CrossFit on Facebook or at lpcrossfit.com. Crazy, the Super Bowl was already over two weeks ago. But we're still in football mode, right? We're still thinking, talking, wanting to watch football, as always. 
Well, we got to talk about the Chicago Bears quarterback. Obviously, we had the Nick Foles, Mitchell Trubisky <sighs> problem is an understatement. Debacle might be a better word. But just trying to find somebody that can lead an offense, get the ball where it needs to go, and put points on the board. Not a lot of options that the Bears could afford or could trade for or do right now with how the team is put together. I am very, very thankful, though, that the Bears did not try to get Carson Wentz. When he demanded a trade or said he wanted to leave the Philadelphia Eagles, the Bears were immediately thrown in the top of the heap that they could get Carson Wentz. I'm not going to say should because most Bears fans, most Bears media are not saying that Carson Wentz should be in Chicago. Actually, quite the opposite. I don't think he's a good quarterback. A, he's injury ridden, always hurt, and B, when he's on the field, he just doesn't look like he belongs. Watched a couple Eagles games this year, and he just looked out of sorts, out of sync, out of everything. Out of absolutely everything. I had him on a fantasy football team and benched him for almost everybody. I benched him for Mitchell Trubisky. I benched him for Baker Mayfield. I benched him for, I think, David Carr one week. He was getting benched, and I think at the end of the year, I just eventually dropped him. Like, got rid of him. Didn't need him. No moss. No moss. No more. So I'm very glad the Bears did not make that mistake of all mistakes. Because let's face it, that's what Chicago does. I mean, they traded up to get Mitchell Trubisky not panning out. There's all kinds of crazy other mistakes or things that we look at like, why? Why Chicago? Why? That would have been one. Definitely would have been one. Other options that I've heard cycled around. Sam Darnold from the Jets. I mean, I feel like that would just be getting like a Mitchell Trubisky. Honestly, it would be. He hasn't really proven himself to be better. He really hasn't. So in that case, just stick with what you got. Deshaun Watson, quarterback from Houston, the Houston Texans, was in the same draft class as Mitchell Trubisky, and one of those names that always get thrown out there, including Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs, you may have heard of him before, as players that were in the same draft class as Mitchell Trubisky, and the Bears trade up, get Mitch, and they could have got these better quarterbacks. Watson knows he's in a bad situation, wants to leave, but it can only leave if Houston trades him. The Bears do not have what they need for a Deshaun Watson. They would have to give up probably like two first-round picks and a lot of other considerations. Watson is not coming to Chicago, and unfortunately for him, probably staying in Houston unless they get a really, really good package, which probably would have already happened by now if that was going to happen. So in other words, the Bears are stuck with Mitchell Trubisky and probably Nick Foles. That's how it's looking. That's how it's going to be. And the jobs of head coach Matt Nagy and general manager Ryan Pace are going to ride with this. Next year, Chicago has got to be better than 8-8 eight and, eight and not be the worst team in the playoffs if they want to keep their jobs. That's plain and simple, the bottom line. They're going to ride or die with Mitchell Trubisky pretty much, like most of us said when they drafted him. That is exactly what is happening, and in my 
point of view, my opinion, this will be the last year for Nagy and Pace. And while we're talking about NFL, got to talk about the Hall of Fame. February 6th, they named this year's class. Eight guys going into the Hall of Fame. And pretty big name class. I mean, it starts with Peyton Manning, right? Four Super Bowl appearances, two victories, one with the Colts, one with the Broncos. Was the Super Bowl MVP with the Colts. Fantastic quarterback in the one athlete that I always say I would love to sit down and have a beer with. His commercials are hilarious. He's a great guy when he's on the mic for interviews. Just a dude that you'd love to meet, love to talk to. And he was one of the best players in a really amazing era for quarterbacks. We're talking Tom Brady, Michael Vick, Drew Brees. The list will go on forever. Aaron Rodgers. The end of Brett Favre. Not the end, but he was playing when Brett Favre was playing. So many dynamic quarterbacks I could sit here and list forever. And he was one of the best. Obviously, going into the Hall of Fame. Al Fineca, guard for the Steelers. Four AFC Championship games. Nine consecutive Pro Bowls. Yep, he deserves. Head coach Tom Flores went 97-87 in regular season. 8-3 in postseason. Was with the Raiders whether they were in Oakland or Los Angeles or Bermuda, from 1979 to 87, and then coached the Seattle Seahawks 92 to 94. Two-time Super Bowl champ, 15 and 18, both with the Raiders. Deserves to be there, no doubt. Calvin Johnson, if you do not know about Megatron, do not call yourself a sports fan. Definitely do not call yourself a football fan. The dude was phenomenally amazing. And unfortunately, played with the Detroit Lions, so no Super Bowl appearances. Heck, let's face it, not even a lot of postseason performances because they were never there. He is the Barry Sanders of wide receivers. Of course, you're going to make that comparison. Detroit Lions, Barry Sanders was that team, just like Calvin Johnson was that team when he was there. And retired early, just like Barry Sanders did, because saw that there wasn't a light at the end of the tunnel. Fantastic wide receiver, one of the best. I put him in the top five of all time. John Lynch, safety, Buccaneers from 93 to 2003, and then the Denver Broncos, 04 to 07. Was a huge part of Tampa Bay Super Bowl in 2002. The dude was crazy. Had more than 90 tackles, so 90 plus tackles in nine seasons. That's a lot of tackling and a lot of years. Just saying. Bill Nunn, Steeler Super Scout, he was scouting from 1968 to 2014. I like that they're giving props to somebody like that. A behind-the-scenes guy doing his thing, making teams great. He was there through a lot of Steeler awesomeness, a lot of Super Bowls, a lot of everything, and he's getting credit for being a big part of that. Good for him. Drew Pearson, Cowboys wide receiver from 1973 to 83. He was undrafted and then retires as a Cowboys leader in reception and yards. He is not now, but in 1983, he was. Big props to an undrafted dude doing his thing, clawing up the ranks, making sure people know he is a supreme athlete. And he did. And although Peyton Manning would be an amazing guy to have a beer with, my favorite player in this Hall of Fame class is Charles Woodson. Absolutely loved him, and he is one of two Green Bay Packers, because I hate the Packers, that I would love to have as a Chicago Bear. 
That's him and Aaron Rodgers, of course. Wouldn't even say Brett Favre. Charles Woodson and Aaron Rodgers and Reggie White. I forgot about Reggie White. Those three Packers are the only three that I would ever want on my team. Sorry, Clay Matthews, you don't even come close to the cut. Charles Woodson was a beast. He had at least one interception in all of his seasons in the NFL, which is 18. So at least one interception in 18 seasons. His 65 career interceptions is tied for fifth. He has two Super Bowl appearances, a win with the Packers, and then appeared with the Raiders in that loss to the Tampa Bay, which John Lynch helped the Buccaneers beat the Raiders. He was the defensive MVP in 2009. He was the defensive rookie of the year. He co-holds the most defensive touchdowns at 13. So he shares it, but 13 defensive touchdowns, that's crazy. And he's one of two players with Marcus Allen, who won the Heisman Trophy in college, that gets the league, wins the Associated Press Defensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, and a Super Bowl. Just saying, the dude was phenomenal. There was a reason the teams that he was on had that level of success. And it was a blast to watch it all. But it's only a blast to watch games and to see these fantastic athletes if you're comfortable yourself, if you're enjoying watching them. And that's usually dictated on your environment. You could go to the bar and spend money and have to deal with people you may not like or listen to music or conversations that you just don't want to be a part of. There's good parts of that too, but maybe that's not for you. Or maybe not every game, maybe some. So you want to stay home. You want to stay comfortable. You want to be in a place where you will enjoy every second of you being there. Olsen Construction works hard to make that happen. And they can even do that now in this nasty weather. Actually, yesterday was beautiful. But there's still snow. There's still ice. Still kind of cold. Brothers Keith Milas and Tommy Olsen will use their more than 10 years of experience to take care of your home renovations from start to finish with your thoughts and opinions taken with every step of the journey. The licensed and insured family-owned and operated company prides itself in offering family prices with family honesty on any job. Whether it be roofing, siding, windows, doors, stairs, deck designs, floors and tiling, garage additions, room additions, or full remodels. If you didn't notice, half of those jobs are things you can do inside, even in February. For a free estimate, call Olsen Construction at 815-910-5982. Check out the Olsen Construction LLC page on Facebook or send an email to olsenconstruction19 at gmail.com. You got to do that because let's face it, watching games comfortably is the way to go. Always. Just a few little more side topics real quick before we get out of here and get to Ski Hartman and our amazing conversation. So let's start with Hank Aaron, passing away at the age of 86. He is in that conversation with the Babe Ruths, with the Mickey Mantles, with the Reggie Jacksons, with the Jackie Robinsons as pioneers, as amazing players, as people that could be put in a Mount Rushmore of their sport, of their era, that is the kind of player Hank Aaron was. And as a person, might even go further. Everybody looked at him as a role model, as a ambassador 
for the MLB. So it's sad. He passes away at 86, born February 5th, 1934, passed away January 22nd of 2021. I know it's been over a month. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta pay respects to a man like Hank Aaron. He was the MVP and won a World Series in 1957. His 755 home runs was that record to beat for 32 years. And it didn't happen until steroids were involved. PEDs. Just saying, a 25-time All-Star. That's a lot of All-Star games. That is a lot of awesomeness. Rest in peace, Hank Aaron. Thank you for doing your thing and being the person that you were. Another unfortunate passing. I mean, all passings are unfortunate. I don't want to see anybody die, even if I don't know you or don't get along or anything like that. Don't ever want to hear about death. But Marty Schottenheimer... Legendary football coach, passes away at 77. He was born September 23rd, 1943. Passed away February 8th, 2021. He was in the NFL as a player from 65 to 71. And then as a coach from 1975 to 2006. That is a crazy long time. He's probably remembered most for a stint with the San Diego Chargers. And having these really, really amazing teams, but just couldn't get over the hump. Just really couldn't. Could not break through and win the big ones with the Chargers. And they had some great squads. But he was a great coach. Did a lot of amazing things with that team. And definitely rest in peace. Thank you for doing what you did on the football field. Since we talked about the NFL Hall of Fame, got to talk about the MLB Hall of Fame. Nobody's getting in this year. You need 301 votes to get in. Nobody made it. Kurt Schilling received 285 votes and then after that said, hey, don't even vote for me to get into the Hall of Fame. Okay. Barry Bonds, 248 votes. Roger Clemens, 247. All three of them always mentioned with the PED talk. And that's why they weren't first ballads. And that's why some of them may never get in. Sammy Sosa is part of that list. He was in the voting. People voted for him. But nowhere near 301. I think they should all get in because they were all big names, all big players, all deserving of the nods in an era where everybody was doing it. To take a PED steroid era out of baseball would be trying to white out history. Or Photoshop it. That's not fair. If you want to have an asterisk, if you want to have a PED wing of the Hall of Fame, okay. That's cool. Like, that's understandable. But they all deserve to be in there. They do. They made baseball fun to watch again. Without the Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa home run duel of 98, who knows if MLB is what it is now. Like, that was such a crazy time. And everybody got into it. Who didn't want to see... A dinger. Every time he went to the ballpark. And it's like that right now. Because of that. So they definitely deserve to be in. Don't know if it's going to happen. And it's definitely not happening this year. Hate to leave this on, you know, sour notes or sad notes. On Tuesday, Tiger Woods, the golf legend, got into a car accident, was hospitalized. Thoughts, prayers, all of those things with Woods, his family, friends, people that care about him, don't want to see anything happen 
to a legend of that magnitude again. Not to anybody, but especially a guy, Tiger Woods, who it's been fun to see if he can, you know, come back and turn around as the monster golfer that we know him as. So hopefully this doesn't shake that up to a crazy amount. I mean, it's going to a little bit. It's a car accident. And you're hospitalized like that happens. But hopefully everything's all right and he can get back onto the greens and do his thing. Well, quite a well-rounded intro we got here talking about a little bit of everything. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. As always, we are going to be here. I would love to give you a schedule. I'd love to tell you I'm going to be this day, this day, this day, this day. And every time I do, I can't do it. Something comes up in life, work, you know, life is busy. So I'm not going to do that. Follow social media. Follow the website, www.rss.com backslash podcasts with an S backslash edge of your seat podcast or follow us spotify apple music itunes and every time a show is out you'll get a notification thank you thank you thank you thank you thank you for all your support love man all of it always always appreciate it so let's get to ski hartman and talk about a little bit of everything see if we predicted the future right in our conversation in january until next time peace just got in the door, threw off my jacket, and I'm like, hey, I gotta talk, because I'm ready to chat with Ski Hartman, General Sales and Finance Manager at Shimmer Mendota Ford, has been a guest before, we talked a lot about selling cars and what the dealership means to the community, and we may talk a little more about that, or maybe a lot, who knows, but we had to get some sports talking as well, really didn't get to do that last time, had to have him back. Ski, how's it going, my friend? Going great, how about you? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. Did you notice how I threw in another ready? Always ready, always ready for the new year, always ready to do another conversation with you. Yes, and I'm glad to have you back. Lots of stuff to talk about, let's jump right into this first. It is 2021. Different year, 2020 was rough for everybody. How is it looking in the car business? Uh, we're hoping for a good year, turnaround from 2020 to 2021. Ford's got a lot of nice new product out. They totally redesigned the F-150 for 2021. I have two of them in stock. They got the Bronco out now, which the big Bronco won't be out for a little bit of time, but we do have the Bronco Sport in stock. A lot of people have been looking forward to both the little Bronco and the big Bronco. And the, the totally redesigned F-150, like I said. Plus, we got more stuff coming in every day. Great deals on stuff that's there. Great deals on stuff that's coming in. We got that new Mustang Mach-E coming in. All electric Mustang SUV-type vehicle. Really neat looking if you, if you haven't seen it. It's really something to take a look at. Well, can I get a free test drive? Absolutely. <laughs> well, then I'm there. And then I'll see it, I'll drive it, and I'll love it, probably. Oh, I, I don't imagine anybody not loving it. Um, in fact, uh, the next Bronco Sport we get in and the Mach-E that we get in actually do have to go into our loaner program so for customers to drive them. So we can't even sell them until customers drive them for so many months or so many thousand miles. It's actually a really cool thing that Ford does to get people into their new vehicles and kind of let them drive them and see what they're like before they 
they make the decision to spend that kind of money on something. Oh, that's pretty cool. I like that. Things are turning around in Mendota Ford. We're uh, making really good deals on all new and used, giving good fair prices for all our trade-ins. We've increased our number of sales, and so we're just uh, looking forward to helping as many people as we possibly can. Definitely. Usually at dealerships, there's a sale or something beginning of the year. Is there anything going on like that at Shimmer Mendota Ford? Well, I don't want to be like the, you know, sale, sale, sale type of guy, but, I mean, we take care of our customers. Like like you say, we're a community dealership that's here for our customers, so we're taking care of them all the time. So, every day is a sale at Shimmer Mendota Ford. I mean, I was happy with my car. Got it in November 2017 Chevy Malibu. I love it. I'm not giving it back even if you want it. Ski, I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you got to trade it in for one of these new Mustangs or something, don't you, eventually? Maybe eventually, but not now. I've only had it like a month. I know. We'll trade you out of it eventually. <laughs> yeah, so you're trying to keep me around. Absolutely. We don't want you to buy one car from us. We want you to buy every car from us. I can see that happening. It's probably a bet already. It's probably a safe bet. What was not a safe bet was if you were picking the Bears to beat the Saints in the... NFC wildcard game that was yesterday, today being Monday, January 11th. Yesterday was the 10th. Had playoff games as well as on Saturday the 9th. And of course, you know, I'm a Bears fan. I had to start with the Bears. I know you're a Vikings fan, but how are you as a Vikings fan when your team's knocked out? Are you still supporting NFC North teams? Yeah, um, I'm a football fan, so I just want to see good games. And I thought, you know, most of those games were pretty good. All, like, one-score games, except for the Bears game, of course. It was a little bit worse than that. But, no, I mean, it was still a pretty good game, though. I mean, the Bears, you know, everybody knew the Bears were going to struggle against the Saints. I mean, the Saints are a very top team in the NFC, and the, and the Bears were kind of, you know, still rebuilding and weren't even sure if they were going to make the playoffs after that six-game losing streak. But they battled and made it in there, and it is what it is. I mean, you can't, can't win them all, or... Any of them, if you're a Vikings fan, you never win a Super Bowl, so. And I don't mean to rub this in, but when the Bears beat the Vikings, that kind of cut their ties. They were done. Yeah, that, I mean, if the Vikings would have won that game, the Vikings would have been in the playoffs, so. And I don't think they'd have fared any better against the Saints than the, than the Bears did, so. Yeah, probably not. I've talked to a couple of Vikings fans, and that's kind of how it was. We're like, it doesn't really matter who wins. It does for, like you know, trash talk at the water cooler, like, hey, you can nudge your friend and be like, ha, my team won. But other than that, it was like, whoever we got, whether it was the Packers or the Saints or the Seahawks, it was like, okay, our season's done, first game of the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the, the way I look at it is now we get to pick before the Bears, so we get, a, we get a chance to get the player that the Bears want. So that's what I'm looking forward to. Oh, so now you're going to try to steal from us? Ah, it's not stealing. We, we earned that pick. <laughs> I guess you lose <laughs> you earn a pick by losing I guess that's how it works in the NFL it is how it works definitely like I said I'm a football fan and I, and I thought there was some really good games I'm looking forward to the, the games this weekend they should be really good games as well Cleveland and Kansas City should, looks like it could be a barn burner Buffalo and Baltimore is going to be a nice good defensive game I think the Rams and uh, the Packers Rams play pretty good, depends on who plays the quarterback, I guess there could be the decision, and then Saints 
years for the third time this year. So. Yeah, lots of intriguing matchups. First of all, the Cleveland Browns smacks the Pittsburgh Steelers. I turned the game on after cooking dinner and stuff for the kids, and it was 28-0 in the first quarter. I'm like, well, this game ain't going to be fun. And then Pittsburgh came back and made a, somewhat of a game out of it. It was pretty, pretty good game. Which is crazy. I mean, Pittsburgh starts the season 11-0, and goes on a three or four game losing streak, wins a couple, and after probably like week 12, they just kind of look like done. They went from an elite team to, you know, middle of the pack, like real quick. They had a pretty easy schedule to start the year off. I hate to say that. And they, you know, James Conner getting hurt and that the running game just not being there. Can't tell what happened. I know, like I said, the Bears, Bears won on a six-game losing streak and still came back and made the playoffs too. So it, it's just got to keep your head up, keep going forward, just like with anything. No doubt, no doubt. Let's go over your picks for this upcoming weekend. You already said the games. Let's start with Saints and Buccaneers. I think Tampa's going to win. I've got actually got Tampa going to the Super Bowl, so they're my pick. It is really, really tough to beat a team three times in a season, no matter what sport, no matter what level. That is really, really tough to do. But Saints have been playing amazing football. They have. I think Tampa Bay, it depends on what Tampa Bay shows up. Is that you know, they played the two games against the Saints, they didn't look very good. The, the game against the Bears, they didn't look very good. But then there's other games where they look like nobody in the world could beat them. So I expect it to be a pretty good game. And like I said, I picked Tampa to go to the Super Bowl and lose. But I think Tampa's the only team that can beat Green Bay. So I don't think they had Antonio Brown for the second game against the Saints. This might be the first time that Antonio Brown's going to be a Buccaneer against the Saints. Yeah, I'd have to go back and look. I don't think so either. He's been playing very well. Tampa's defense has been stepping up. Tom's going to be fine playing in a dome. Drew's kind of banged up. Kamara had that COVID thing. And it just seems like the Saints are clearly in rhythm. And they've had some of the guys on defense were hurt. See if they come back this week. That'll, like you said, it should be a good game. Yeah, I mean, against the Bears, the Saints had their big three in Drew Brees, Kamara, Elvin Kamara. And Mike Thomas, their big three, they finally had him back. They'd only had, I think, like 64 snaps or something like that through the whole season until they met the Bears. So if they can have all three of those guys back, I mean, they're still a dangerous team. Oh, absolutely. I was happy that the Rams beat the Seahawks. I don't know why. I really, really love Russell Wilson. But for some odd reason, after Seattle had their dominant years, I kind of like laid off on him a little bit. Not really huge Pete Carroll guy. So to see them fall, Rams go on. Who do you got, the Rams or the Packers? Well, it was nice to see the Rams win that game, but I think the Packers are going to have their way with them, especially in Lambeau. I don't know how well that warm weather team is going to play up in the cold and the snow and, and Green Bay. So Where you think Tampa Bay is going to the Super Bowl, I think the Packers are going to the Super Bowl. Aaron Rodgers is a top quarterback of all time however you want to put him top 10 top 5 top 3 some people think he's the greatest ever depending on who you are and where your fandom lies but a great hall of fame quarterback he's only got one super bowl i don't know how that's even possible but he's got one and he's kind of running out of time here so i think this is a good year for them to pick that up well everybody said that last year too and look what happened in the nfc championship game that is true that is true i think one of the three Big quarterbacks are going to win the Super Bowl and, and walk away. So 
So Aaron Rodgers wins it, he might walk away. I don't think Packer fans want to see him walk away yet. No, not at all. But that would be a great walk-off for all of them, obviously. But the greatest walk-off would probably be Tom Brady. Plays with the Patriots forever. Goes to Tampa Bay one year, wins the Super Bowl, walks out on top like, hey, I wasn't a system quarterback like everybody's been calling me. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like that Peyton Manning got one with Denver and then walked away after that, too. So, it's just similar to that. And uh, I was never a big Belichick fan. I was never a big Brady fan, but you, you got to respect the ability. Oh, I mean, you cannot respect somebody that is one the way that he is one even bill belichick not a huge fan like he's a mastermind though and did some amazing things with new england oh yeah absolutely let's switch to afc we talked about cleveland's huge game against pittsburgh kansas city has been a front runner ever since they won the super bowl last year had Patrick Mahomes and all these athletic, talented guys come back. Then they get Le'Veon Bell and add to the dynamic offense. Who do you got, Browns or the Chiefs? I read an interesting stat today. That, did you know that Baker Mayfield is the oldest quarterback left in the AFC playoffs? Really? Yeah. Baker Mayfield is older than Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes. Wow, that's crazy. But yeah, now that you say the names, yeah. It's tough to pick against the Chiefs. I would love to see Cleveland beat them just because I, I have the Bills going to and winning the Super Bowl. So I think that would make the Bills route a little easier. But I think I'm going to go with Cleveland this week do the upset on Kansas City. I respect it. I respect the pick. I'm going to stay with Kansas City. I just still think that they have too many weapons, too dynamic, and at the end of a game and you're down, you got 50 seconds left, a minute and a half. Patrick Mahomes is one of the best, and I don't see Cleveland's defense stopping that. Yeah, I'm with you. It can go either way. I'm just going to go with my heart a little bit on that one. Gotcha. And I want to go back to this quarterback talk where we're talking about how young the quarterbacks are on the AFC and then how old and the veterans and they're already <laughs> destined for a Hall of Fame on the NFC side. That's pretty ironic and kind of cool of the two different sets of quarterbacks that we have for the conferences. Yeah, it is. The, the only thing that would have made it a little better in the NFC is if Russell Wilson would have won that game. Then you have four veteran, almost Hall of Fame quarterbacks against these three young, up-and-coming, hopefully future Hall of Fame quarterbacks as well. Yeah, the Rams were the only one out with uh, Goff, but Goff didn't even play, did he? No. Well, he did. He came, He was not supposed to play, but he came in because uh, the other guy got hurt in the second drive. John Wolflin? I didn't even know. <laughs> some, <laughs> some high school teacher or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they hired somebody from Princeton High School to come get in the game? <laughs> Yeah, something like that. Was, I've never even heard of the guy, and I know my sports pretty well. I could see uh, Ryan Pearson or Jesse Snyder taking up that opportunity. Absolutely. Do you blame him? Oh, no, not at all. I would do it, too. And then you already said that you think the Bills are going to be in the Super Bowl and win it. So, obviously, you're picking Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs and company over the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, and everything they got over in Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah, I just I think Buffalo's got the most complete team. They've got a good running attack. They've got a you know quarterback. 
that can run the ball, throw the ball, manage the game. They got a solid defense that, that can stop pretty much anybody. I think it's their time. I mean, besides Minnesota, they're the only team that's been to four Super Bowls and lost. So they need to win one. I agree. And I, for some odd reason this year, the Bills and the Dolphins were two teams that I was following the whole time. Like, I want you to win. I want you to get in the playoffs. Unfortunately, Dolphins just missed out. They kind of had a rougher ride at the end and had five teams tied at 10 and 5 records. And they were the odd man out. But the Bills are definitely a complete team and can pretty much play with anybody. I am ready to see a Kansas City Buffalo AFC championship game. That would be a pretty good game. I think either one of those, Cleveland and Buffalo or Kansas City and Buffalo, is going to be a good game. I mean, Cleveland and Buffalo would be awesome just because those are not teams that you're thinking AFC Championship game. You're not thinking that. No, you're not. So you're saying it's going to be Tampa Bay, Buffalo in the Super Bowl, and Buffalo's winning? Yep. Give us a point spread. I think they win by six. Okay, okay. We'll see what happens there. I'm just excited. This is like the best time of the year for football. Of course, we like the whole regular season and everything that's going on. But this is when you got the best of the best and the games are on the line. Like you lose, you go home. Like this is what we're all waiting for throughout the whole season. It's the best time of the year. A lot of people have had conversations about when's the best, when's your favorite month of the year as far as sports wise. Mine's got to be January, February that time. You got football playoffs, you got basketball in full swing, hockey in full swing. For me, it's wrestling season. It's the harder wrestling season for me. That's my favorite time of the year. The Supercross series starts up in January for my other favorite sport is motorcycle racing. It's a great time. Definitely. I've always been a huge fan of this time of the year. Usually in normal time, I am a huge basketball guy. So you got basketball heating up. You got NFL winding down, but the best games of the year. Tonight is the NCAA College Football Championship. Who do you got in that, Alabama or Ohio State? I'd like to see Ohio State win it just because I'm a Big Ten fan. And with all the stuff where they didn't they didn't think they deserved to be in it because of the five games and all that, I just think I'd like to see them win it. I agree. Totally I agree. I would love to see Ohio State win. I just don't think they can hang with Alabama. I just don't think they can. I don't think some of the NFL teams can hang with Alabama right now. No, Alabama is a juggernaut. That's the other thing, too, is I get tired of seeing the same teams win it over and over again. So that's why I'd like to see Ohio State win it. And that's my biggest problem with college football. Because now that we got this college football playoff, year in, year out, it's pretty much the same four teams. And then maybe switch one out. You got Ohio State's always in it. You always got Notre Dame, Alabama. And then you can exchange Clemson. Clemson's been in there the last few years. An Auburn. You can swap out Ohio State with Wisconsin. But those are pretty much the teams every single year. Seems like it's same three teams year after year after year, and then, like you said, swapping one out here and there. I'd like to see them expand it a little bit and see what they can do, but they're never going to. It's all about the money. That's all it is is money, and I can't forget LSU who won last year, and Georgia is in the conversation. Year, skip a couple, then they're back in it. Skip a couple, then they're back in it. But yeah, totally right. It's all about the money. Those are the schools that bring the NCAA the most money, so they're the ones that are going to get 
in those positions to be in those games if they got the records and are dominating like they have been. These little teams, like last year, I think was was it Central Florida. Yeah, the team that went undefeated or whatever. I think yeah, it was like US, yeah, Central Florida maybe. Yeah, a couple this, years ago. This year, Cincinnati, uh, Texas, A and M had a great team, and they're not playing for anything. If they expanded it and kind of like, I mean, the NCAA basketball tournament is one of the coolest tournaments in the world. You know, and I, I know you can't do 64 teams in the, with football, but you could take all these bowl games and make all these bowl games playoff games. I have and, said this, and I totally agree with you. If you saw an expansion, how many games would you like to see, or how many teams would you like to see a tournament expanded to? I'd like to see it to go, I mean, like 16 or 24 or something like that. I mean, I'd like it enormously expanded. My biggest thing is, is at minimum, it should be eight. And, and the five conference champions of the big five should all have automatic bids, and then you can fight over the last three spots. I agree. I agree. I said 16. I like 16 format. You give other schools opportunities that wouldn't get opportunities in eight, but then, you know, it's going to be that thing. Well, now you got 16. What about 17 and 18 that could easily play with these teams? So it's always going to be that way, but they definitely need to expand outside of four. So it's not the same game, the same team, the same structure every single year. Yeah, like I said, you have all these bowl games. Why not just make them playoffs? Like you said, if there's 16 teams, you have eight bowl games in the first round, and then you have, and then the next four bowl games in the second round, and then the championship game there to end it up. No doubt, I like it. I like it. Skirt. Hold on a second. So Ski Hartman and I were talking on Monday, January 11th, and then we had to stop. Things happen, and then we're like, hey, we're gonna resume. The next day, and we did. The crazy thing is, is we left off talking about the NCAA championship game between Alabama and Ohio State, and that's exactly where we're going to lead off. The really, really crazy part is, is I was looking for the wide receiver's name. I couldn't remember his first name. That won the Heisman Trophy, Devonta Smith, and he went off in the first half alone. 215 yards, three touchdowns on 12 receptions, and he made it look easy. What did you think about that display, Ski? Oh, it's unbelievable. And, you know, they're saying that that Waddle that's been hurt is better than him. I just can't see it. That's one of the best performances I've ever seen in my entire life. It was insane. I was, like, not starstruck, but, like, my jaw was hitting the ground. I'm like, this dude is tearing them up the crazy thing is ohio state was still single covering him at times i'm like what are you guys doing he's burning you every time yeah i don't know why you didn't put three guys and a dog on him or something i would have called the secret service the cia the fbi i would have had them all on him he was going off the running back too he, did, he had a huge game it was just i thought it was gonna be a lot better game than it was i thought ohio state had a shot but man i was wrong you are talking about Najee Harris. He went off for 79 rushing yards and two touchdowns, I think on like 22 carries, then had seven receptions for 79 yards and a touchdown. And then the quarterback, Mac Jones, goes off for like 464 yards and five touchdowns. He did have a fumble in the beginning of the game that made it look like Ohio State had a chance, but then he, after he, uh, you know, got himself back together, he did get rocked, so I, I seen it. But anyway... 
Get himself back together and just destroyed Ohio State defense. It wasn't even close. I mean, at halftime, it was over. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was over then. And then what was the final score? 52-24? I don't think Ohio, scored, Ohio State scored in the second half at all. It was crazy. And Devonta didn't even play in the second half. He had a finger injury. They didn't even need him. No, absolutely. And like you said, that Waddle, he was out there hobbling around, you know, made a couple catches, I think is all. But, yeah, they didn't need him either. I mean, they beat Ohio State the whole second half with their number one and number two wide receivers on the sideline. Yeah, and like you said, I didn't mean to like skip over what you were talking about, Waddle, but I heard him too. I've only seen, I think, one Alabama game, and it was in the very beginning of the season. And, I mean, obviously they went undefeated and looked awesome then. But at this point of the season, you're looking at a final project, a final product that is amazing. And that's what we got, and you're right. Waddle was hurt for most of the season and wasn't able to show what he can do, but they were talking about him like he's the number one. He's the guy that everybody was looking forward to, and Devonta stepped up out of the shadow and became the guy. Yeah, I look at a lot of the NFL mock drafts and stuff like that for next year, and all season long it was Waddle as the number one wide receiver being taken. Waddle's number one taken. Now I think it's going to be reversed. I think the other guy is going first. I don't see how you can't after that. That was absolutely amazing to watch, and that's the final game of the year. He was doing it all year, so yeah, I don't see how he's not the first wide receiver gone. Well, it's been like 20 years since a wide receiver won the Heisman anyway, so that's a huge accomplishment right there. Yeah, 20 years and only the third one, the first being Tim Brown in what, like 1987? <laughs> Before you were born, probably? Two years after, I was two. <laughs> actually, actually, if it's in this part of the year where it is, I was probably one. I wouldn't turn two until October. So, yeah, I would have been one. Yeah, that was a heck of a game. Not, not the outcome that I thought it was going to be, but... No, definitely not. And Justin Fields for Ohio State did not look good. I know he shined against Clemson, but Alabama threw him off and he could not get things together. Yeah, well, they're saying that, and they've been saying it all year, that this is the best Bama team he's ever had. And they definitely showed it, because I think Ohio State was the next best team in the country, and they made them look silly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I am glad I watched that game. I thought about not watching it, and then I'm like, come on, man. You host a podcast, you're a sports guy, you gotta watch this. And I'm glad I did. That was amazing. I was happy. I was happy I stayed up and watched the game. Speaking of football... We did not really talk about much of your sports career when you were a kid and, you know, growing up, except racing. We may have talked a little bit of wrestling, but I don't know. Did you play football when you were in high school? I did not. I really only played two sports, technically. I I raced motocross my whole life, and I wrestled most of my life. I played some soccer. Um, I enjoyed that, but Princeton didn't get soccer until my senior year of high school. So it was just like rec league stuff before then. I mean, I was on the very first ever Princeton soccer team, so that was kind of cool. Oh, that is very cool. What year was that? Fall of 95, because I graduated in 96. Okay, okay. So like back in the day. <laughs> yeah, long time ago. <laughs> That's crazy. I can't picture you as a soccer player. Obviously, I know the adult ski, but when you said wrestler, I'm like, oh, yeah, I can picture you tearing people up on the mat. But when you say soccer, I can't really, I don't see it. Well, if you'd ever watched my daughter play, you'd see it. My oldest daughter that's a sophomore in college, 
she played four years of varsity soccer for Princeton, was on a travel team, and she, she was an animal. And what is her name? Shaylin. Perfect. And she was also a wrestler, correct? That's the same one, yep. So she was a, so, a stud athlete for you. She was a four-sport athlete. She ran cross-country in the fall. She wrestled for two years in the winter, played soccer four years, and then played softball in the summer. Okay. And before you even sold me a car, I knew you from wrestling at Princeton. Shaylin went there. I did a couple of stories with her, and you were an assistant coach. I saw you around all the time. Let's talk a little bit about your wrestling background. When did you start really wrestling, getting crazy into the sport? I started when I was like seven years old, and then um, when I was 10 years old, I went to state in the IKWF, the Illinois Kids Wrestling Federation. Ironically, that was the only year I ever went was when I was 10. I missed it when I was 11, 12, and 13. I wrestled all the time. I wrestled in the spring. I wrestled some summer tournaments, wrestled year-round for a long time, went to wrestling camps. I went to a couple Dan Gable camps in Iowa, went to a USA wrestling camp in Kansas City, three years varsity in high school. My freshman year, I didn't, believe it or not, I didn't weigh enough to make the minimum requirement to wrestle. What was it at that point? Was it 106? No, the weight class was 103, but the minimum we had to weigh was 89 pounds. And I weighed less than 89 pounds as a freshman in high school. Wow, that is like really small. I weighed 89 pounds in probably like second grade. <laughs> My sophomore year, I wrestled 103 and didn't really have to cut weight at all. And then my junior year, I wrestled 112. Could have went to 103, but the team was better off with me at 12. We had a really good guy at three that ended up getting second in state at three. And I went to state at 12. And then my senior year, I wrestled 119. Finally grew a little bit. After my junior year, I grew a couple inches. And then after my senior year, before I went to college, I actually grew four inches after I graduated high school. I'm not trying to make fun of you, but you're not really a tall guy. So before you had these, I guess, growing spurts, how tall were you as like a freshman or a sophomore? Oh, I was under five foot tall. Until my junior year of high school. Oh, wow. Wow. Like I said, not trying yeah. to make fun of you. And, you know, we're all different for reasons, but... I'm a short guy. You said four inches here, two inches here. And I'm like, well, how tall were you as a, a little guy? Yeah, I mean, you've met Shaylin. She's, I mean, she's 19 years old. And she's like four eight, four ten, And she's done growing. And that's like what size I was when I was in high school. And then how tall did you get? How tall are you now? Like 5'4". Gotcha, gotcha. That's what I was like. If you put on 4 inches and 2 inches, like you got to be you're pretty small. Yeah, I was pretty tiny. I've got lots of pictures and stuff like that. And um, there was actually an article in the BCR the other day about the PIT tournament, the Princeton Wrestling Tournament. And uh, it listed all the previous champions. Unfortunately, they had to do a retraction because Kevin forgot to put my name in that. Oh, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. We are talking about Kevin Aronimus, who is also a friend of yeah. Edge of Your Seat Podcast. It happens. Unfortunately, it was you, he though. It does. Yeah, and that's, it was funny, too, because I called him, and he didn't answer, so I sent him a text, and he calls me back, and he's like, I thought you won the tournament. What year did you win it? 
he knew immediately that he forgot my name. Like I said, it happens though. It's hard to catch everything. Well, yeah, and he, I mean, he did a lot of that research on his own. He didn't really have a lot of help with it, so he was just trying to go back through memory and stuff like that. I mean, Kevin's a friend of mine. I've coached with him and against him in softball for many years. He's wrote a lot of good stuff. I mean, he wrote articles about me when I was in high school. He wrote articles about my daughter. He's done a lot of great things. I have nothing but respect for Kevin. So, like I said, I'm not, not complaining or anything like that. It just, it happens. Yeah, for sure, for sure. He's a great guy, great at his job, great at his craft. There's no doubt about that. So you said when you went to college, did you wrestle in college? I did, kind of. I went to Southern Illinois at Edwardsville. That's not um, even a school, by the way. Yes, it is. <laughs> Southern Illinois does not have a wrestling program. But Southern Illinois at Edwardsville has a wrestling program. I went there... I wrestled four matches, I wrestled one tournament, and uh, my shoulder that was messed up in high school was just not working out for me, not having that much, I don't know, torque on it, I guess, in college wrestling, and uh, I just, with that and the grades that I had in high school were not the greatest, so I pretty much didn't wrestle anymore after that. Gotcha, gotcha. Also, that happens as well. I always wondered about that. I went to SIU Carbondale, so that's why I made that joke that really, you know, wasn't a joke. That was kind of a dig. But anyway, I always wondered why we didn't have a wrestling program. I mean, so strong in other sports. Won the NIT in like 1967, been the Sweet 16 since then in basketball. Football team after, I'm going to say, 2002, 2003. Before then, they weren't like that great. But since then, in the FCS have made couple strides like long-term really good winning season streaks put together have players drafted in the nfl pretty much every year at least one baseball has been recognized as a great sport track and field olympic athletes every year always wondered why there wasn't a wrestling program yeah i i have no idea i just know when i was looking at colleges i had a few different offers my really good friend from princeton brian anderson he was already there, and so I decided to go down there and wrestle with him and actually was his roommate and everything like that for the year I was there. It was a great experience. For sure. I forgot to ask this when we were talking about who was the wrestler for Princeton that was at 103, so you moved to a different weight class and went to state. That was Adam Wason. Okay, and he finished second, you said? Yeah, he got second as a freshman. And second as a junior. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Awesome, awesome. You guys had some pretty solid wrestling teams back then. Yeah, my senior year, we would have won state. If we wouldn't have got moved to double-A, I'd put money on it. So you guys moved up a class, and you think that was a difference? I know it was a difference. We had a great team that year. Our first eight guys in the lineup probably would have all placed in state if we had stayed single A. I know for a fact I beat three of the four guys that placed in state at my weight. I beat them, and I didn't even make it to state in double A. Wow, wow. That would have been your senior year, you said? Yeah, 95, 96. Who were some of the other guys that were on that team that made it such a dynamic squad? I was telling you about Brian Anderson that I went to college with. His two brothers were on the team. 
Josh was the weight class above me. He was at 125 pounds. Um, he went to state in double A. I was at 19. Adam Wilson was at 12. And then Brian's youngest brother, Zach, was our 103-pounder. We had Sean Hobson, the former coach at St. Pete, was on the team. Matt Smith was a good wrestler. He was a state qualifier the next year. And then I'd have to think about who else was in there. I mean, we had, we had a solid lineup all the way across the board. Start the, the matchup at 103 with Zach and Adam and me and Josh and Matt Smith and Hobson and them guys. Like I said, we would have put a Wilkin on a lot of teams. I took a long break from, from the sport as far as being involved in it. You know, when I was younger, with all the time I devoted to wrestling, we, like, my parents used to work the tables at Midlands, the big wrestling tournament up in Chicago. We'd go to NCAA tournaments and watch and stuff like that. And then when my oldest nephew got into high school, he wrestled, and that's when I started getting into it. And then I got Shillin into wrestling, and my stepson, Nathaniel, into youth program, Tiger Town Tanglers. I coached with them for four years, and that got me really back into the sport. And now, now me and my family have season tickets to Iowa wrestling. So we go to all the home wrestling meets in Iowa. We went to the Olympic trials back in 2016 that were in Iowa City. This year, if they're allowing fans, we're going to go to the NCAA tournament in St. Louis. So wrestling's one of those sports for me that it's just always there. It's always in your blood. You enjoy going and just watching wrestling. Like, I TiVo every Big Ten wrestling meet, every Big 12 wrestling meet, SEC, ACC, whatever whatever is on my TV that has to do with college wrestling, I'm TiVoing it, and I'm watching it. Are you in a college wrestling fantasy league? If they had it, I'd be in it. <laughs> Yeah, because I messaged you over the weekend. I was like, hey, are you watching this game? And you're like, no, I'm watching Big Ten Wrestling. I was like, what? That, that's kind of weird, but I get it. I get it. Wrestling and racing motorcycles, those are my two favorite things. I raced motocross most of my life. My dad owned a motorcycle dealership from the time I was five. And I think we talked about this last time. I raced all over the country and went to amateur nationals and everything like that. This weekend's actually the first Supercross of the season. Local rider Chase Sexton making his 450 Supercross debut this weekend. Wasn't he in 450 last year, like before it stopped? He raced the uh, 450 outdoors, but not Supercross. He won the 250 East Coast Championship last year for the second time. Yes, he is also a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I had him on like right before he won it all. Like, I talked to him before he won it all, and then I aired the podcast, published the podcast after he had won it all. But yeah, trying to get him back on to talk some more stuff. He's been he's been killing it. I've known his dad for a long time. I've known Chase for a long time. I watched him grow up and raced him in this area. Great kid. Very level-headed. Not a more deserving kid out there. Works hard. Not arrogant. You know, that's, and that's what I like. I mean, he does it right and does it well, and I, I wish him all the best, and same as you, uh, I know you're trying to get him back on, I'm actually talking to him about possibly buying a truck from me and getting him up here and doing something with the dealership up here, too. Oh, that'd be awesome, that'd be awesome. 
Do you have any more kids that are coming up the pipeline that you're going to try to get into wrestling or coach? Yeah, um, I have a three-year-old son that looks just like I did at his age and built just like I was at his age. You know, when you're short, you're short stocky usually, so that's like a little bulldog kind of. I'm hoping that he'll wrestle, and then uh, I have a six-year-old daughter that one day you ask her if she's going to wrestle, and she tells you yes, the next day she tells you no. But her brother's wrestling all the time. She's going to be around. She might as well wrestle herself. So if she's anything like Shaylin, she's going to be a heck of a wrestler herself. I could definitely see that. You've already played one game with us before when you were on the last time, Ski, but, you know, every time you got to play a game. So this time... We are going to play Hot Potato. I'm going to give you two items, people, places, whatever I decide to come up with, and you pick which one you like the best. Okay. Perfect. Let's start. Put it on a tee for you hit out of the park. Chevy or Ford? Ah, Ford. Come on. (laughs) I had to, man. I had to. Yeah, that was easy. Wrestling. Big Ten or SEC? Big Ten, not even close. Football, Big Ten or SEC? (laughs) SEC, unfortunately. Xbox or PlayStation? Old school Nintendo. I like it, the wild card. It was like a Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I have a PlayStation 2 that I never play. I have a regular Nintendo that I play a lot. I have a Nintendo 64 that I play more often if I could get people to play Goldeneye with me. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> GoldenEye. That was a game when I was a kid. I loved it. Oh, I still love it. I try to get my kids to play with me all the time, but they never want to play because I beat them too bad. <laughs> gotcha. You are a Vikings fan. Throw you some NFC North teams. Bears or Packers? Uh, Probably the Bears. Bears or Lions? Bears. Lions or Packers? Packers. Okay, okay. I see you. Holidays just passed us. Thanksgiving or Christmas? I gotta say Christmas just because with having as many kids as I do, seeing the joy on their face when they open the stuff, that's what gets me. The question is, with how many kids, you have eight, correct? That is correct. Does that hurt your wallet? Because that's making me, my wallet is hurting knowing that you have eight kids for Christmas. It it definitely hurts the wallet. But you do what you do. It's about them, so you, you do what you can for them and put yourself in the best situation to make their lives better than your was. And I was lucky enough to have a pretty good life, so sometimes it's pretty difficult to make my kids' life better than mine was. So, but that's the goal. Gotcha. And with an answer like that, I think that's a wrap on Hot Potato. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast again, Ski. Always a pleasure speaking with you, and I'm sure we'll see each other and talk again soon. Yeah, whenever you're ready, I'm ready. Because we're always ready, right? Always ready, ready. Ready, ready. Ready, ready.